0: everybody, welcome to Edge of Wonder. The devil gets fooled by a trickster who ends up doomed to walk the earth for eternity. The Headless Horseman haunts Sleepy Hollow on the run from dogs of hell. Stories like these are based in real life sightings and legends from history. So what monsters, spirits, ghosts, and cryptids have people really seen that led to these modern stories of Halloween we now enjoy every year? So join me, Rob Counts, from Edge of Wonder to hear the tale of where jack-o'-lanterns really come from. It's it's a weird story. Strange mysteries and more in this Edge of Wonder live show. And uh, yeah, I'll see you out on the Edge. Well, before I tell you where Ben is tonight, um, I should probably ask, are you listening to the Edge of Wonder podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or elsewhere? Uh, please think about leave a, leaving us a five-star rating and review to help us reach more people. And remember to like, follow, and subscribe on YouTube, Rumble, Ganjing World, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, how y'all doing tonight? It's just me tonight because Ben is actually feeling really under the weather while he fights off Cerebus in the underworld or gets over a cold or whatever, whichever, whichever of those that that you're more comfortable with. And uh, Lindsay is on with me tonight. So we're going to just have a good time here and um, go through some really interesting stuff that we found for you guys. Like at first when Lindsay, like at first when you told me, you were like, Rob, you were like, I think I found the story of where Jack o lanterns really came from. I was kind of like, oh, here we go. This is (laughs) boring.
1: He thinks it's a Disney story that I found or something. I Silly was, about a pumpkin. Well,
0: it wasn't that. It was more just like, how could there be an interesting story behind jack o' lanterns?
1: And then yeah. I blew your mind.
0: Well, yeah, and then we started going through it, and I was like, "Wow, this is actually fairly fascinating." And I don't think anyone really knows about this. But what's strange too, though, is like, is that this idea of jack o' lantern is like really strong in Halloween culture. And we see images of the stuff that's in the stories you found everywhere. We just don't know where they came from. We kind of take them for granted, I think, you know? And then um, some of the stuff that you guys, that we found on Sleepy Hollow, uh, the Headless Horsemen, (coughs) where that came from, the men that wrote those originally, and then real life cryptids that these were based on, Actually started to blow my mind indeed, Lindsay. Yeah, pretty interesting for sure. So we're actually going to go through a bunch of that tonight um, with you all and uh, hopefully engage with you guys a little bit. Um, ben is fine. Just so you know, he he got onto a call with us earlier and he was like, "Ah, oh, I just have some karma elimination. He could he was like really stuffed up. And could barely speak. And I was like, dude, you just need to go rest.
1: I he was, was like, gonna, he was gonna do it. And we were like, dude, go go rest. Yeah. We got this.
0: It was like, go ahead and rest, dude. Yeah, you need the rest. So hopefully he's feeling better um by Friday. I'm sure he will. Um, but yeah, why don't we um start kind of getting into this a little bit? Um, the tale of stingy Jack is basically this tale. And it, it's how the jack-o'-lantern basically got its name. And, um, you know, this story is actually quite old. So old, in fact, that this is sort of in old English. And um, I think what we'll do is I'm going to have Lindsay read this and then we'll kind of jump in and give you guys like some details as we're going through. It is actually pretty easy to follow, but we'll still kind of, you know, support with some information here and there.
1: So this is from 1851. So if we pronounce something wrong or something we did our best. Okay. Greater Churl was never known on this earth than Stingy John. From his door, the poor were turned, unrelieved and cursed
0: and spurned. So you guys, Churl means impolite or mean-spirited person.
1: So we're being introduced to John here or Jack, which is a nickname. One night Jack was homeward coming, midnight round his path was glooming. As he reached a river's side, someone near him moaned and cried. For the love of heaven, he said, mercy have and lend me aid. Wayworn traveler am I, leave me here and I shall die. Stingy Jack's hard heart was touched. Quick the stranger he approached, raised him up upon his mare, brought him home and fed him there.
0: So now, basically, Stingy Jack has come across some fellow that's, you know, not doing well. And he actually, his heart went out to this guy. So he brought him home and fed him. And we're kind of at that part right now.
1: Gray-haired wanderer down he lay, but before the break of day, to the bed of Jack he hies, winged like Zaraf of the skies.
0: Uh, a Zaraf, you guys, is like a seraphim or like angels. So, so this person that he brought home was like an angel or something.
1: Heavenly beauty graced his face. Heavenly brightness filled the place. When Jack starting up had woke, thus the angel smiling spoke. Though called a churl by all around, mercy in your heart I found. Ask three gifts, I'll give them you, and my blessing add thereto. So So
0: basically he's giving him three wishes to make. Sort of interesting that, so this angel is now trying to, Basically, repay him with three wishes that he'll give his blessing to.
1: Greatly at all this, Jack wondered. Long what he should ask, he pondered. Scratched he often his shock head, then, thus to the angel, said, I wish whoever takes my chair may be fastened firmly there, he to chair and chair to ground, till my leave to go be found.
0: Okay, so basically, this first wish is. He's asking that whoever sits in his chair other than him gets fastened, basically locked to the chair, and, and, and they can't get out until, until he allows it.
1: Which is kind of a you know trickster move there, to use right. your wish. Next, I pray, whatever fools meddle with my box of tools may be fastened to the wall till to let them go, I call.
0: Right. So same thing. So if somebody messes with this box of tools, they get fastened to the wall till he lets them go.
1: Thirdly, sir, I would implore that who breaks my sycamore may be fixed fast to the tree till I choose to set him free.
0: Same thing. So this is his sycamore tree in his yard, I guess.
1: All these boons I grant to you and my blessing add thereto, saying thus the angel sighs as from thence to heaven he flies. So the angel grants him the wishes, but then sighs, which is strange. For when choice like this is given, if the chooser ask not heaven, nevermore by deeds or prayer shall the spurner enter there.
0: So this is actually saying that the reason why the angel sighed is because because of the wishes that the man was given, Jack, um, and what he asked for. There was no way that he would be led into heaven given the choices that he made and the wishes that, that were granted.
1: Yeah. Like imagine an angel, you do something nice for an angel and they give you like a reward and instead of using it for something good or like using one of them to say, Hey, how can I get to heaven? You're just like, Hey, I want to screw over everybody in my life. Give me like these tricky powers. So then she or he sighs, goes to heaven because when a choice like this is given, if the chooser ask not heaven, never more by deeds or prayer, you can't do any actions or pray in, in order to enter heaven because he's spurned heaven. <clears throat> but although thus doomed to hell, Stingy Jack on earth throve well, large his flocks and strong his health, wide his lands and great his wealth.
0: So he's he's like actually thriving really well on earth sounds like what a lot of bad people too they make a deal and then they they do really well on earth for a really long time mm-hmm. so you guys if you're listening hang on because like the end of this story is like it's really really interesting
1: yeah this is kind of the start of part two second fit
0: yeah okay so somebody on somebody said the the these wishes are pretty lame, to be honest. <laughs> but actually, like, wait till the end because you'll see what happens. It's mm. really interesting.
1: Now years have flown and youth is gone and Jack's last day is come. And the devil sends a servant up to fetch the old man home. At Jack's hall door, the servant knocks and bids him come away. Jack opens the door and asks him in and says, sit down, I pray. So he's come to the end of his days.
0: He, he's yeah. Yeah and he he says sit down. So he asks he asks the hell's servant to sit down in the chair that he had the wish granted for, right? Mm-hmm.
1: In Jack's own seat the servant sits and there is fastened tight. Jack takes his flail and without fail he flogs him left and right.
0: Now you guys, and- a flail is it's a tool for thrashing grain, but it looks like a gigantic P, like it's like a gigantic pair of nunchucks, like it's it's huge. And then if you hit someone with it, it, would it would hurt real bad?
1: Yeah, imagine this. That's what he's using to flog people with. That's his flail
0: with without spikes. But yes,
1: I mean maybe <laughs> with or without spikes. I think that's gonna hurt. It's gonna hurt. Okay, so I'm gonna read that again. In Jack's own seat, the servant sits, and there is fastened tight. Jack takes his flail, and without fail, he flogs him left and right. And as he scored, the flunky roared. At length, he firmly swore that if set free from thence, he'd flee and never come back more.
0: So basically, he he just begs him to be let go because he's getting beaten and he's attached to this chair. And so he's granted um, permission to leave the seat, and then he just leaves without Jack.
1: When thus he'd sworn, Jack set him free and off he went with speed, but many a servant besides him the devil has at need. Next day another one was sent and ordered without fail, that stingy Jack he should bring back and also fetch his flail. The second servant now came in with cautious step and slow, and told Jack in his master's name, to hell he straight must go says jack this brogue i first must mend barefoot i could not crawl so put your hand in yonder box and hand me down my all
0: so a brogue is a is a shoe so he's asking the devil's servant to stick his hand in a box to fetch jack his leather tool so he the toolbox that he has basically cursed he's asking him to stick his hand in there
1: so he had to fetch this tool that'll Mend his poor shoe because he can't uh, crawl all the way to hell.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm going to have such a hard time. (laughs) Get my tool.
1: Within the box, he poked his hand and there is tightly held. Then Jack applied his famous flail until the flunky yelled. He yelled and roared while old Jack scored until as the first swore, the second flunky swore to go and trouble Jack no more.
0: Okay. So he, he left too. Mm hmm.
1: And now the devil came himself, since servants would not do. Through Mangerton, he rose in flame and ordered Jack to go. Mangerton is in, I believe, Ireland. It's a real place. Mm-hmm. Said Jack, my lord, I'm ready quite, but dead lame is old Jack. You must get me a good stout stick or take me on your back.
0: So Jack claims he's too lame to walk without a walking stick. So either the devil needs to carry him to hell on his back or fetch him a walking stick. So same thing.
1: Then from the sycamore hard by the devil seized a bough and fastened tight and helpless quite the devil is left now. Jack yelled with joy when the old boy he saw thus in his power, then hastened for his famous flail and laid it on galore.
0: So he's beating the devil now in the tree who's stuck in the tree.
1: So loudly howled the devil then his roars were heard quite plain in Germany in Italy and even in far Spain. Upon his back, three flails broke Jack, and still he lathered on. Nor did he stay his work that day until the setting sun. So he's a loud devil, if he can be heard in all those countries. Mm. Then by his horns, the devil swore that if Jack let him go, he'd never bring nor let Jack come within his realms below. When thus he'd sworn with back well torn, Jack sets the devil free. And from that day, he stayed away from Jack and from his tree.
0: So the devil also was tricked and decided not to come back.
1: At length, Jack died, and when his soul was from his body riven, it could not get through hell's wide gates, nor yet through those of heaven. By his free choice, he lost the last, and Satan did not fail, his oath to keep and Jack to sweep from hell's gates with his flail. So he can't get into heaven or hell. Then since Jack is unfit for heaven and hell won't give him room, his ghost is forced to walk the earth until the day of doom. A lantern in his hand, he bears the way by night to show and from its flame, he's got the name of Jack O'Lantern now.
0: So that's it. <clears throat> so this was the original story and this story was like really passed around. Didn't this story start in like the 1600s or something, Lindsay?
1: Like the original story of Jack O'Lantern. Yeah. well, The story of jack-o'-lantern has had kind of many different iterations. This is one version that we read, which is like very nice to read. Um, But yeah, since the 1600s, which is interesting because since the 1600s, also people were carrying around essentially jack-o'-lanterns, like pumpkins, squashes carved to be lanterns. Very interesting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, I, I think I didn't, expect that the original story would have been a bizarre curse like you can't get into heaven you can't get into hell you're cursed to walk the earth with nowhere to go like after you pass and so anyone that was seen off on the distance with a light that was a bizarre anomaly might be considered a jack-o'-lantern and so people just started carving them and and when people would see them. It just like melded and right into Halloween, right? That's really, I just didn't expect that. Like where the heck did those come from, you know?
1: And there are some legends too. Like if you think of a jack-o'-lantern that's glowing, there are some legends of the British Isles, the Moors there, like people are seeing strange lights. So people now kind of attribute Jack's light to these marsh gases, but the question is, is there some sort of cryptid or spirit or something that really is Jack that they were seeing back then that made this strange light?
0: Or yeah, or just I mean, let, think about how many strange lights people see out there that have nothing to do with gases. They're just completely unexplainable. You know, people will see like little balls of light moving around in a forest, you know, and they like they would have no way of explaining these things. It's just a spiritual anomaly. Which you
1: guys talk about on metaphysical sometimes. I remember was that the um, Bridgewater Triangle series with the orbs that people are seeing in the forest?
0: Yeah, a lot of people are seeing orbs in forests. Uh, people see orbs everywhere. They see them also all over Mount Shasta. Um I think yeah. I think orbs are orbs are like the, I think even Ben was talking about like was it was it him or was it john that was just recently talking about an orb flying by them and almost in like seeing the physical um like
1: that was us on it was a friday night live during the metaphysical minute one of our fans submitted that story
0: that's and right it was a fairy right they saw some, some type of outline of a figure in the in the orb really really strange those Bridgewater Triangle episodes, by the way, if you guys are looking for weird, creepy Halloween tales or whatever, highly recommend going through those. You'll uh, you'll have a, b- a blast in there for sure. So there's. um. So <clears throat> let's see here. The did you want to actually, Lindsay, did you want to um, go on to the Headless Horseman now? Sure or did you want to did we need to watch a trailer
1: let's do that let's watch a trailer
0: okay so you guys that we kind of got through the jack-o'-lantern story but we're going to go into some really super interesting stuff on the headless horseman that I guarantee that you didn't know and I, I just after going through this it's made it so much more compelling that something is out there it's really weird so hold on to your hats we'll we'll be right back after this trailer who is the mad butcher of Kingsbury run The Cleveland Torso murders are some of the most gruesome killings that have ever taken place in America. Some believe it was worse than Jack the Ripper's crimes. On September 5, 1934, this small, forsaken neighborhood that probably would have faded away into oblivion etched its name in history. And the weird part is, is that there were very suspicious circumstances revolving around the suspects, which adds even more mystery to these horrible crimes. Little did they know at the time that this would end up becoming the biggest investigation in the Cleveland Police Department's history. because this is an Edge of Wonder Halloween special and i promise we'll try to make you laugh through this dark topic. All right, welcome back. Um <clears throat> so this this uh, torso murders episode is a part of a pretty massive amount of content that we've created for you for you guys for halloween and for those of you at home that are not subscribed to rise.tv we've got new content being uploaded every week that's sure to literally change your worldview after going through a lot of this stuff we have so many episodes that cover things like the salem witch trials real life vampires mystery spots um which Oh, gosh, like so many things missing missing people,
1: People, creatures.
0: Yeah. And um, we metaphysical, we even did some uh, on the metaphysical podcast. We did some uh, exclusive content as well. One of them was the Ohio, Ohio melon heads, which is a really bizarre story. Should totally check that out. And also the Dudley town dark entry forest, which was an equally interesting story. So um, please definitely think about subscribing to Rise.TV. Uh, it's only $9.99 a month, and we could really use the help. Helps us make all of this content and do our live shows and everything. Um, and helps us get past some of the censorship that we faced. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, so back to the show here. Uh, the S- Sleepy Hollow. Like, I think just to kind of give an overview of what happened at Sleepy Hollow, we're going to go through the story really quick and then get into some, like, really interesting real-life facts about it. Okay, so The Legend of Sleepy Hollow by Washington Irvin. Okay, that's Irving. That's who wrote the story initially. It basically talks about a schoolmaster by a man named Ichabod Crane, who is often depicted as this like really awkward dude that, like, yeah, that like basically is, is kind of a fool, like the fool's fool. Who comes to Sleepy Hollow in Tarrytown, New York. So local women say it's a haunted place where supernatural things happen and ghosts are seen. The restless spirit of a headless horseman is rumored to ride forth in a nightly quest for his head because in life it was shot off by a cannonball. Sounds rough. Ichabod is in competition with another guy. This guy's name is Brom Bones for a young lady's hand in marriage. Her name is Katrina, I think. After a party where he failed to secure her hand, Ichabod rides home on a horse. He starts passing um, some of the reportedly haunted spots in the area and he starts getting nervous. Suddenly, Ichabod encounters a cloaked rider whose head is not on his shoulders, but on his saddle. Ichabod rides for his life as the horseman chases him. Uh, at the last second, Ichabod looks back and sees the horseman hurl his severed head directly at him, knocking him off the horse. The next morning, Ichabod's horse is found, but Ichabod has mysteriously vanished. Brom Bones, the guy you know he was in competition with, seems to know what happened whenever he's brought up, and it's implied that Brom Bones was the horseman who used a jack-o'-lantern as a false head, scaring Ichabod into running away to escape all the supernatural events in the area. In a postscript for the story, the narrator says, this is interesting. This is where it gets interesting. So in a postscript for the story, the narrator says he heard the tale from an old gentleman at a corporation meeting at the ancient city of Manhattan. So is it based on a real tale? Well, check this out. So a little bit about the story's history. Ichabod Crane was a real person who lived at the same time as Washington Irvin, Irving, who created the tale of the Headless Horseman. Now, Crane, this guy who is often depicted as a dork, is not was not in real life, it doesn't seem, because Crane was a colonel in the War of 1812 and lived in Staten Island. He served in the Marines, saw action in Canada, served in the Black Hawk and Mexican Wars, and was in the military for 45 years. This does not sound like a schlep. Now, Crane and Irving were both stationed at Fort Pike at one time, but there's no record they ever met other than the use of Crane's name in the story. Which now, every
1: story seems to really highlight. When right. they're talking about this, they're like, well, they never knew each other. There's no evidence of that. There's no record of that. Except he used his exact name and they were at the same location.
0: Right, right. Okay, so Crane and Irving were both stationed at Fort Pike at one time, but there's no record they ever met other than the use of Crane's name in the story. Now, several. 19th century school teachers are also considered models for the character of Ichabod Crane. Um, Irving's horseman. Now this is, this is kind of what we found here. Irving's horseman could come from Sir Walter Scott's, the chase, which is a translation of the German poem, the wild huntsman. Irving had just met and become friends with Scott. So he could have been influenced by his work. The poem is about a wicked hunter who is doomed to be hunted forever by the devil and the dogs of hell as punishment for his crimes. So now you might be asking, well, what are the dogs of hell? Uh, Well, there was a really, really interesting series. Hey, Rob,
1: your audio is having some issues. It's kind of like you're muffled with a sock over you.
0: Let me just check here. Oh, that's better. Okay. Should be okay.
1: Maybe it was too far from your face. <clears throat>
0: um, so the hellhound found in London, um, there there was f- a very strange series of events that occurred where a hellhound was, um, f- I guess, haunting London for a period of time. It was reported that this beast weighed up to 200 pounds and stood seven feet tall on his hind legs. Um, <clears throat> archaeologists unearthed the bones at Leston Abbey. Did I pronounce that right? Leston Abbey might be. In Suffolk near where, according, <laughs> according to legend, a hellhound called Black Shuck with flaming eyes and shaggy black fur, appeared during a storm on August 4th, 1577. This is very specific information. Now this legend said that thunder caused the doors of the Holy Trinity Church in Blithberg to burst open and the snarling dog crashed in and ran through the congregation, killing a man and a boy before it fled when the steeple collapsed reportedly marks are still visible on the church door, which are said to be from its claws. Black Shuck was believed to have roamed the countryside and had savage claws and burning eyes. So the legend, uh, quote, all down the church in the midst of fire, the hellish monster flew and passing onward to the choir, he many people slew. Okay, so he basically slayed a lot of people. You know, I mean, he's he's destroying all kinds of things going into these churches and and going after the people. The same day, Black Shuck rampaged through St. Mary's Church in Bungay, about 12 miles away, which was described as a uh, a strange and terrible wonder, which is a strange, I guess they used to spell strange with a U, if you can believe that. This was a pamphlet written by Reverend Abraham Fleming in 1577. Okay, now listen to this. This is from him. "Quote: This black dog, or the devil, in such a what is that word?" L- a uh, little help here. In such
1: a, wait, this black dog or the devil in such a likeness. What?
0: Oh, okay. I see. So this is supposed to be likeness. Um. Okay. So this black dog, it was actually spelled with an N. So I was like a little confuser. So this black dog or the devil in such a likeness, God, he knoweth all who worketh all, running all along down the body of the church with great swiftness and incredible haste among the people in a visible form and shape, passed between two persons as they were kneeling upon their knees and occupied in prayer, as it seemed, wrung the necks of them both at one instant, climbed backward and so much that even a moment where they kneeled, they strangely died. This was a quote from the reverend. And what's weird is uh, the wringing of a neck, (laughs) excuse me, (laughs) this sounds more like a, like a, like werewolf a or dog, something. Yeah, werewolf or a dogman or something. Like, that's really interesting. So one researcher mapped 400 to 500 similar accounts of this hellhound. Like 400 to 500 accounts of, the, of this hellhound, this dogman. And these, are, these are basically where all of these sightings of this dogman were.
1: That's a lot of sightings.
0: That is an enormous amount of sightings. And, and it's weird that most of them are in Britain. What is the, what is the difference between the colors here? Do you know?
1: Uh, you know, I closed the other webpage. Let me look. Um, it doesn't say. I'm sure the original image would specify.
0: Now, you guys probably didn't know this, but we found that hellhounds were reported Um, at the 17th century witch trials. Stories of protective black dogs have also appeared. Uh, So not all sightings may have been a hellhound, but could be a, you know, good dog beings or dog I don't know.
1: But that sent us on a rabbit hole into hellhound history. And what are hellhounds? And what are the the common kind of things among them
0: yeah and then we're this is actually even though this is a little bit of a tangent we're not done with the headless horsemen so hang on there so um now the kind of history and data about hellhounds is that they're they tend to have black fur glowing eyes supernatural strength or speed large teeth long claws and sometimes multiple heads Now, the ones that are reported in the United States that I'm aware of do not have multiple heads, Uh, but the multiple heads thing totally corresponds with the underworld stuff. Yeah, Cerebus, which is the the hound of the of the underworld, the three headed hound of of hell. Um, Devil dogs guard the entrance to the underworld and the grounds of graveyards, hunting lost souls and protecting supernatural treasure. Now in European folklore, seeing a hellhound or hearing its howl is seen as an omen of doom or cause of death. This sounds a lot like Mothman.
1: Or like the Grim in Harry Potter. The what? The Grim. In Harry that? Potter and the prisoner of Azkaban, they keep seeing this black dog and in their divination classes mm. like looking to the future. The grim keeps popping up and it's an omen of death. This black dog seen oh, in Britain.
0: Interesting. And she it's must basically have basically
1: this. Oh yeah, she did research.
0: So those who have sold their souls to the devil in a Faustian bargain may be hunted down and retrieved by hellhounds when the time is due. <clears throat> this is the lore. Now, here's some examples of hellhounds. In Cerebus in Greek mythology, right? There's um, Anubis in Egypt or Anubis actually it's Anubis, right? Um, this is black shuck in England. Garm in Norse mythology. I may have pronounced that wrong. And the grim, of course, in Harry Potter as as, um, as Lindsay just mentioned, hellhounds, uh, hellhounds actually were, took a, uh, they were in the show supernatural a lot too. Um, having similar, um, doing similar things devil dogs like the dessert by hostess so it is really weird that hostess has a devil dogs um like they're called devil dogs like so all this stuff like comes from somewhere you know what i'm saying like it's not
1: so you're eating it, a hellhound every time you're eating a <laughs> devil dog
0: uh yeah probably your bowels feel like that probably that you, <laughs>
1: that'll get you to go on a diet when you're yeah, eating that
0: right these um, are
1: hellhounds and supernatural
0: yeah. It's just, it's interesting. Like I really thought, um, I don't know. I've been doing a, like, just as like almost a hobby, I've been doing an enormous amount of research on dog man because there's so many things that don't add up about the sightings. Like so many people that are detailing events of seeing them. I had a friend see one recently jump straight out into a street right in front of them and then jump straight back into the forest. Um, you know, was it was it a dog man? I don't know. It sure sounded exactly like it. The way it was described was almost like the werewolf in Van Helsing. So if you if you look at the werewolf in Van Helsing, um, the the where the ears are just like pointing straight up, and it's this like buff, really agile supernatural monster, something like this. Um, they're often described exactly like this.
1: Was it as big as this? The one your friend saw?
0: He said it was massive. Wow. And, and it, it was really weird. Like he almost didn't know what to do. It was, it was raining. He's driving down the street going slow because it's raining so hard. He's going around a curve on, in a very rural area. It forests on both sides. And this thing jumps out into the middle of the street and then jumps back into the forest and it was out there just long enough and moving around for him to kind of get a look, a little bit of a look at it. But of course it was raining and it wasn't like he took out his phone and snapped a photo. He was just like, dude, he's like, I think I saw something. And then he explained to me what it was. And, you know, I'm pretty sure it was, it was a dog, man. And this is, this was, you know, a lot of these sightings you get in, I mean, all over the country, like Wisconsin has like the Beast of Bray Road, right now. Yeah, I do think so. Some somebody brought up in the chat. Nacho Cheeto said, could it would it would it be a dire wolf? So dire wolves like it could be. I actually I'm not. I'm not. um,
1: I thought dire wolves protect humans. Am I wrong?
0: No, dire wolves. Well, I mean, maybe in lore. But maybe in just
1: just game of thrones
0: like four times the size of a normal wolf like they're jurassic sized wolves so you imagine like wolves are really big as it is like if you pull up an image of a wolf next to like a dog wolves are like massive animals like well and there are different wolves to be fair like some of them are smaller and some of them are bigger but if you look at a big like large sized wolf they are massive massive animals um and dire wolves are on all fours. The weird thing is that a lot of the uh, sighti- sightings of dogman are it, the same thing as always said, like this thing was walking around on its hind legs and it had hands like large, massive five fingered hands with sharp nails at the end of them. Um, so it's very, that is very strange. But yeah, you get lots of these sightings in Wisconsin, um, actually all over the United States. Like the United States is such a hotspot for cryptids. It's such a massive place. There's so much forest. There's so many mountains. There's so many places to hide. Never mind, like, like Europe, of course, similar, right? There's it's very populated, but there's a lot of places to hide, right? People are not sharing the stories that they're seeing anymore because they're afraid they're terrified of getting ridiculed. So when they see something that they can't explain, if they start talking about it in their town, they get made fun of the rest of their life. They're called crazy, no one wants to talk to them. They're better off just not saying anything. But every once in a while, you know, they'll come out on a podcast. They'll ask to not have their name shared. And then they'll they'll say what they saw. And there's been way too many sightings of these things in order for them to, there to not be something there, you know? Um, <clears throat> now going back to, um, actually, why don't we go ahead and just play one more trailer. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about the origin of the Headless Horseman that we found and some really, really interesting leads that we can give you guys if you want to look more into this about where it first came from and what what else is there. Yeah, so why don't we watch that trailer? A
2: lone banshee shrieks in the night. A quiet brownie darts out of sight. Strange beings abound that are hard to assess. Sea trows, kelpies, and more haunt Loch Ness. Legend tell of other beasts besides Nessie, hiding in the locks of Scotland. mysterious creature sightings, some local folktales, a hidden world lies beneath the waves, and even on shore. Join Edge of Wonder for a deep dive into the cryptids of the abyss.
0: Rise TV is such a Halloween fest. We have so many series on there that are like so cool. Research we've done where we found just the strangest encounters that people have had with some of these like beings, these creatures, these sea creatures. Um the uh that that particular series is actually on Rise TV and um it's it's all about like all of the sea creatures that are out there that that I think modern people tell you don't exist, but, but in fact, there's like lots of evidence to back all of this stuff up. Um, so definitely check out, um, that series and more on rise TV, especially if you're looking for a good time, um, during Halloween. So the headless horseman now we found this really interesting Uh, The name of this cryptid, where it originated from, I guess, I don't know what to call it. Is it a cryptid? It's basically a headless horseman cryptid. It's called the Dullahan. It's like a hobgoblin, like a dark, angry, malicious being, or a wicked fairy. People don't really know. And the Dullahan is depicted as a headless rider on a black horse carrying his head under his arm, which sounds exactly like the headless horseman in Sleepy Hollow.
1: And this which one has a whip that's made out of like a human spine. And I'm pretty sure I saw a bunch of accounts of the Dullahan having this kind of weapon, which is that pretty gross.
0: Sounds like getting hit by that would be pretty painful. I don't know about you, but I would not be into that. No, thank you. Um, but yeah, so the, this actually goes back in history. This The idea of this thing called a Dullahan. So, you know, where did... Where did Irving get his idea from? Or, I guess, you know, the originator of that story, because Irving seemed to hear that from someone else, right? So, W.B. Yates, in his book, Fairy and Folk Tales of the Irish Peasantry, um, about the Dullahan, now, had some things to say here is pretty interesting now this is yates he was a very very famous writer Um, who looked
1: like steve martin apparently in this photo
0: a little bit yeah he wrote a bunch what other things did he write um because i mean i've heard his name so many times
1: uh you know off the top of my head i just remember that we talked about him in our transhumanism series and that he was a transhumanist he was looking for his most famous works that's
0: right and I think a lot of people, a lot of people at that time were, I mean, throughout history, really, just as, as long as soon as science kind of came in. And alchemy is also, you know, transhumanistic because you're looking to find immortality through some type of technique, um, you know.
1: He's got a lot of poetry. I'm not sure if anybody would know for sure if I just named a few.
0: Okay, well, he, he had a bunch of different things to say here. He said, the Banshee from Ban, a woman, is a, and she, a fairy, is an attendant fairy that follows the old families and none but them and wails before a death. So if you hear a Banshee, it means someone is going to die. Like, that's a bad, bad omen. Many have seen her as she goes wailing and clapping her hands. The keen... The funeral cry of the peasantry is said to be an imitation of her cry. And there's a lot of people that do this, right, Lindsay? That like basically wail at a funeral, but in a very um, specific
1: way. Like, I'm not sure what the keen is for Irish people, but when I read this at first, I was thinking about all the women that uulate across different cultures of the world and i'm not going to imitate it because i'll get laughed at but you can look up eulating <laughs> and this is just interesting that the keen the funeral cry of the peasantry is said to be an imitation of the banshee's cry
0: yeah it's really weird cuz it's like it's almost like why imitate it if it wasn't a thing you get what right, i mean right sort of like um you know this week i went to um, serpent mound this weekend in Ohio and serpent mound is, you know, probably one of the most ancient sites in the world, definitely in the United States. And, um, I was definitely getting really weird vibes there. And there were burial mounds at, I don't know if a lot of people know that, but there are burial mounds at, um, serpent mound. And I, I, really think that the art of these burial mounds, these like super old burial mounds, like these mounds, I really feel like were, um, it was like a passed down sort of form of burial. I don't think that the natives, like I think the natives were copying something that they had seen previous to them even being there. Um, It, it was really fascinating to go here and check this out. You know, I actually you're not really supposed to stand on this mound, but I got close to it and I I pressed it down because I was curious. I was like, is this is this like is there stone under here? Like, how did these survive for like perfect? It's perfect. How did it survive for like, you know, thousands and thousands of years? And it doesn't look like it, but if you look off to the left over there where there's those fields or whatever, there's a very, very, very big drop off. We're losing
1: your sound again, Rob.
0: Um, No, I'm not doing anything. Can you hear me?
1: You sound like the teacher from Charlie Brown. Okay. Oh, is it coming back? Talk again.
0: Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. Sure, it might do that again. I don't know why that's doing that. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong here. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's like a, can you pull that image back up, Lindsay? So if you look at this image, um, over to the left over there, there's this like strange or not strange, but it's like, no, up upper left. There's like a, I guess you could say there's like a field over there. Um, there is a very, very large and steep drop off from serpent mound down maybe a hundred or 200 feet down from there. Like this, actually, this entire serpent is on a really steep hill. And um, so this was like the highest point in the area. And all those trees that are right near it, it's actually, I really wish none of those trees were there. I hate to say that, but it's like it blocks you from seeing what the ancients would have been looking out on and all of the hills that are in the area. Mm -hmm. So it, it really blocks you from being able to see like what they were looking at and what they were doing um what did but, it feel
1: like when you touched it
0: well nothing just like it's i yeah it felt like grass and then at one part i touched it again and it felt very hard underneath it which i was like oh maybe there's stone under here you know what i mean mm. um and you know what's strange too is like see the tail on the left where there's something going over them there's that white part going over the tail that was covered up People are not allowed to do that anymore. And it was covered by grass.
1: There's a staircase maybe.
0: It was a staircase so that you could walk mm. over the in trail. Uh, in the middle, of it. You're not allowed to do that anymore. Mm. Yeah. You're not allowed to go into the spiral at all.
1: And nobody's sure if this is a snake eating something round or.
0: It's like a disc. Yeah, it is a disc mm. and it's a snake eating the disc and then it's pointing straight at the, I think it is the summer solstice, the longest day of the year.
1: Mm.
0: Yeah. So if you were to come here on the summer solstice and you were to watch the sunset, it would, it would just, the way that it would hit this would be according to some researchers, you know, is like just a spectacular thing that you've got to come see. Hmm. Yeah. Really. Back to the Dullahan. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. But, um, I think, you know, um, Yeah. It's just weird. It's like, what I, I just, when I was looking at those burial mounds, I was just thinking like, they learned this. I could just, I got this feeling like the natives had learned this from someone. Hmm. And I think that they stumbled upon this because this, I don't think natives made this. Like people are trying to sell us that natives made serpent mound, but I don't think modern people could make that really easily the way that they did then. And so- How
1: tall are the mounds? Like taller than you?
0: no like five feet high four and a half feet high
1: enough to need a staircase
0: no you can walk right up them Hmm. yeah it's really i mean a couple of people did even though they shouldn't have Hmm. um wasn't me but yeah it was uh it was really interesting and i definitely got really weird vibes there no joke
1: that makes sense though because even modern art not modern art, but art in modern times is copied from older art, which is copied from older art. So architecture and burial ceremonies and all sorts of culture probably goes back pretty far.
0: And I think this point that you just made is one where it really, really frustrates me that modern um, archaeologists refuse to accept. Like they refuse, like (laughs) all of the, like the fact that it's much more likely, especially from Robert Schock's um, research, it's much more likely that the pyramids were stumbled on by the Egyptians of that era rather than they had created those pyramids. They created the smaller pyramids for sure. It's easy to find that out, but those pyramids are kind of dilapidated at this point. But the but the larger pyramids are much longer lasting and they're better built. And so they it looks by all accounts from Robert Schock, who is a geologist looked at that and he was like, they've got this flipped. Those smaller pyramids were made by more modern people. And the larger ones were much more ancient. He, he, he was thinking maybe back 10,000 years. Uh, But of course, let's say 10,000 years ago or whatever, those pyramids were under the ocean. There is no way of us telling how, how old that limestone is if it was under the ocean for thousands of years, because it it would have just been um, protected, you know, very slowly eroding, not like, not like metal, of course does it's stone in the ocean. Um, so yeah, really interesting, um, different, different aspects to that. Uh, but back to kind of um, more of this lore around the headless horseman. Um <clears throat> Here, well, there is one more part to this banshee. When more than one banshee is present, and they wail and sing in chorus, it is for the death of some holy or great one. I didn't know that about that lore. That's interesting. Okay, now an omen that sometimes accompanies the banshee is the coach, coachabauer, an immense black coach. Now listen to this: an immense black coach mounted by a coffin and drawn by headless horses, driven by a dolahan it will go rumbling to your door, and if you open it, a basin of blood will be thrown in your face. This is what this is what they believed back then. The headless phantoms are found elsewhere in Ireland. In 1807, two of the sentries stationed outside St. James Park died of fright. Did you just hear that? We're talking about soldiers, guys. Sentries are soldiers. So two of the sentries or the soldiers that were stationed outside of St. James Park died of fright. A headless woman, the upper part of her body naked, used to pass at midnight and scale the railings. After a time, the sentries were stationed no longer at the haunted spot.
1: So they're getting freaked out by a headless, topless ghost that scales walls.
0: That's what it says. (laughs) That's really
1: weird and really scary.
0: It's really weird. It's like, imagine, you know, imagine seeing that. Like, if you if you saw, I mean, anyone now seeing that would, like, run for their lives. See their pants, you know? yeah. Yeah, totally. All right, in, in Norway, the heads of corpses were cut off to make their ghosts feeble. Thus came into existence Dullahan's, perhaps, unless indeed... They were descended from that Irish giant who swam across the channel with his head in his teeth. Now, this is Yates saying this, you guys. Everything we just read you. And so Yates is actually referring to um, a Irish giant who swam across the channel with his head in his teeth. So and he's
1: going through different legends from different places, I suppose. And he's saying in Norway, the heads of corpses were cut off to make their ghosts weaker. Yeah. So then perhaps that's where Dullahan's came from, unless they're descended from an Irish giant who swam across the channel with his head in his teeth. But he gives no explanation for that one.
0: That's what What I mean. What giant is that? What giant is that? When did that happen? Where did you hear that story? And then honestly, tell us more. (laughs) Yeah, tell us more. But then back to the Headless Horseman, it's like, dude if these bodies were, if people's bodies were beheaded, if people were desecrating people's bodies after they were just recently like deceased, probably like there was some grounds for haunting there. If you're desecrating those bodies and you're, you're almost like cursing those bodies that had just passed away. Those spirits are still probably around those bodies and they don't like what you're doing to their bodies. They start haunting the area. All of a sudden we have people seeing headless ghosts walking around. You know well,
1: why I mean? did people find it necessary to make ghosts feebler? <clears throat> because are they seeing very violent ghosts around and they're trying to just come up with ways to not make
0: more worse ones? I think people like this is back a long time ago. I mean, if we look at the, the witch trials, that was nothing in comparison to the, the amount of people like the 50 to 80,000 people that died in Europe from either being a witch or a werewolf. I mean, they were, they were openly talking about this stuff that they were seeing and, or they were really overly uh, exaggerating what they were seeing, you know? So, I mean, maybe at that time, they're like the ghost lore was like, how can we make sure that these ghosts are not as destructive? Let's behead them in the coffin. Maybe there was also a lot of tales of vampires being passed around and they were like, if we behead it, you know, there it is. unearth the medieval vampire skeleton buried with an iron stake through its chest to stop it waking up at the witching hour.
1: And we found a few of these. I think Ben just had this in the weirdest news in history episode that he did um, where these skeletons are buried with a stake through their heart, essentially, or through their body in such a way that if they tried to sit up, they're
0: getting caught on a stake. So they're laying down with the stake here. And then if they were to try to get up, Mm they go straight into their chest and through their heart. And that was a way for them to make sure that the vampire didn't, you know, I'm not sure why the vampire wouldn't just be like, and then get up but yeah that is really super weird Mm -hmm. looks like that vampire didn't make it
1: (laughs) (laughs) well rob i have a little halloween game for you but would you like to do that now or when we go over to rise tv
0: (laughs) why don't we do it over on rise it'll be fun with everyone
1: All right. This is going to be a little bit of interaction. Um, I'm going to give Rob some questions about Halloween candy and Halloween. uh, I don't know, circumstances, and you guys are going to guess the information.
0: Oh, so it's a little bit of trivia we're going to be doing over there tonight. That's right. That's fun. All right. Well, you guys um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Excuse me. (laughs) A little bit of a dry cough right now. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode where we found a whole bunch of stuff that I know I didn't know about Halloween um, and kind of the origins of a lot of this stuff. And um, hey, yeah, uh, Ben, if you're watching this, hope you get well soon. Um, Definitely can't wait to have you back on the show. And for all of you at home, thanks so much for being with us. Don't forget to subscribe to Rise.TV if you're looking for tons of Halloween content for you and the family. The most interesting things uh, we've uncovered about histories mysteries histories mysteries that was good with um you know all of the different things that have gone on uh in the united states or elsewhere salem witch trials vampires throughout history werewolves all kinds of things so uh if you like what we're doing please think about supporting our work and thanks for being with us tonight and we will see you over on rise.tv where we're going to do this game trivia over there right now it's a bird
2: It's a plane, it's Mothman? Meet the mysterious gray cryptid the size of a man with the wings of a bat and glowing red eyes. But is it real? There have been sightings since the 60s or did it all start with a dying man's curse? Alternate dimensions sudden appearances before catastrophic events. Native American Wars, Chernobyl, and 9-11. Holy wingspan, Mothman. The center of this creature's mystery is something beyond imagination. Join us as we look into one of the most fascinating cryptids that may be out there and ask, why do residents of Point Pleasant, West Virginia, swear that it haunts our skies to this very day. Tales of the Cryptids, Episode 3. Mothman. Only on edgeofwonder.tv.
0: Well, hey, welcome back to edgeofwonder.tv. <laughs> How you doing, Lindsay? Are you there? I guess,